baby steps, like baby steps is what I told your gals. Like we, I think often we feel like we have to get to the entire other side of whatever it is that's bringing me anxiety. No, we don't. We have to get to the next minute, the next hour, the next, you know, whatever, and trusting God to equip you at every single milestone along that way. However small your baby steps are, God's going to be with you. Welcome to the All Things Beloved podcast with me, Christina Patterson, where we speak with real women about real faith in a real God. This is a safe place to have honest conversations about faith, life, relationships, purpose, and well, all things beloved. Thank you so much for joining today's conversation. Be sure to share with a friend and enjoy the show. Hello, beloved, and welcome to another episode of the All Things Beloved podcast, where we have the opportunity to chat with our sisters in Christ about life, ministry, faith, prayer, marriage, and well, all things beloved. I'm so excited to introduce to you our guest today, Heather Dixon. Heather is an author, speaker, and Bible teacher who understands living with a story that is not easy. Diagnosed with an incurable and terminal genetic disorder that she inherited from her mother, she is passionate about encouraging and and equipping women to trust in God, face their fears, and live with hope, especially in the midst of difficult circumstances. When she is not blogging at the Rescued Letters or speaking at a women's conference or event, Heather loves to make the most of everyday moments, such as cooking for her husband and son, checking out way too many library books, or unashamedly indulging indulging in her love for all things Disney. Heather serves as the women's ministry coordinator for her church in Raleigh and is a regular contributor to Lifeway's Journey magazine. She is the author of three Bible studies, including Determined, Living Like Jesus in Every Moment, and Renewed, Finding Hope When You Don't Like Your Story. Welcome to Beloved, Heather. Hey, Christina. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so glad to be here. Listen, I that was your official bio. You know, we always have to... (laughs) To, to give that to our listeners, uh, but I always like to give our guests an opportunity to share in your own words who you are and what you do. Yeah, that's, that's the formal version. You're here for the, now girls, we're getting into the real version. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I am literally, I'm a professional dry shampoo user who loves the Bible. That's, that's my gig. Uh, I hate doing my hair. I love dry shampoo and I love God's word. So I'm just really crazy about teaching it to women. Um, I am the most introverted person on the planet, married to the most extroverted person on really? the planet. Yes, ma'am. I would have thought it was the other way around. I know you, you'd be surprised, but listen, when I'm done speaking or when I'm done, like talking to people, like I curl up in a ball underneath like four weighted blankets <laughs> and I have to space out. I, I, I mean, I can, I can lean both ways. I don't know what the word is. Like if you're ambidextrous, but for yeah. like introvert, I don't know what that word is. I'm but pretty I'm, sure there's a word for it, but I can't I, remember either. I, I think I'm that, but I do. I need some quiet time, but my husband does not. Like he's really, he is like wide open all the time. <laughs> so, um, was probably why I've got, I've grown more and more introverted as I've gotten older to balance, you it. balance it out in a marriage. You can't have too much of one thing. No, ma'am. You cannot. We, we, we keep each other on track, uh, but together now we have one son. He's 15. Um, both of my, both of my, my husband and my son, I will collectively refer to them as my boys, but yeah. I have one, one actual son, but 
they're both hockey players. And so, um, yes, yes. And so we, I spent a lot of time in the hockey rink and I got to tell you, I, um, had COVID, um, in December of 2020 and thankfully, you know, did not require any like major medical intervention. It did take me out for like a month, but I, that was in December of 2020 and we're recording this, what in March of 2022, Right. I still cannot smell. I've, I've totally lost my sense of smell. Like it's gone, gone, gone. Um, but being married to a hockey player and <laughs> party hockey kid, no, going. I'm just going to thank God for that. This is freaking out in your favor. <laughs> like God knows, listen, if you hear nothing else, girls, you hear this, God's going to take care of you. <laughs> and he said, he's going to work that thing out for your good. That's right. He said, baby girl, you got a year of a teenager playing hockey ahead of you. I'm going to take out your smell. <laughs> So, uh, so, I love yeah. it. I'm interested to know in this this passion and love for Disney. What is oh, that? Oh, yeah. Well, listen. Oh, I can't. Normally, I reach like where. So, Christina can see me right now, people. And like underneath my desk is my Disney. Well, you know, this is going to be this is a video podcast. Oh, good. I'm glad I just put on makeup. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's so funny because I thought about that and I was like, I might need to maybe I should put on some makeup just in case because you never know. Um, okay, so underneath all my desk right here. Okay, good. Okay, well, just so you know, I put this eyeshadow on just for you. Um, so, um, so yeah, okay, so underneath my desk is my Disney hub, and I have a bo- boxes of dis of Mickey Mouse ears. So all my Disney stuff is literally it lives right here. Um, so I I um, normally when people ask me about that, I would pull out my Disney ears and I would show them to you, but they are downstairs because gotcha. we actually just came back from Tampa, and of course I was going to ask you, well, when's the last time you've been to Disney? We were uh, there last month. So we, <laughs> this is like, so how many times have you been? Um, let's see. We've been almost every year since 2015, 20, wow. no, no, no. 2014. My, so, and I went, you know, once when I was a kid, like I didn't grow up going to Disney, yeah. but, um, I took my, we took our son when he was seven and Christina, it was just the most magical trip ever. And I just mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And so I just kind of being the, like the nerd, the introvert that I am, I nerded out on all Disney things and I, I just find it fascinating. And also it just brings you so much joy. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, I just, I like Disney. If I'm not talking about Jesus, I'm probably talking about Disney, Disney. somewhere. We went, um, oh, my, my son, oh, he was so young. He probably was like two, which mm-hmm. means my daughter was like five. So she remembers it. He doesn't remember. Yeah. So I want to go back now that he's seven. So we can, he can like have an actual memory yeah. of Disney. Yeah. yeah. But it was we, fun. Yeah. We, we have like my, the memory that will always stand in my mind is my son when he's seven, he lost, um, he had, we went, he had lost one of his front tooth. And when we were at Disney, he lost his second front tooth. <laughs> and so, and I can remember watching one of the, like the evening, um, the evening shows, uh, for those of you who are Disney nerds, it's the Fantasmic at Hollywood studios. And, um, and it was like Mickey, like triumphs over all the villains. Like that's the point of the story. Yeah. And I remember like my son looking with his little like toothless, like snaggle tooth. Yeah, Mickey. And so, I mean, he was just so precious and just so into the stories and yeah. just, you know, so just, I don't know. That with was a memory that, teeth. yeah. With his missing teeth. So I love Disney. What can I say? I understand. And you also love God's word. You love the Bible. I do. You have a new Bible study out called 
renewed Mm -hmm. and I love it. It's um, about finding hope when you don't like your story. And I know you personally understand that because you have a challenging story yourself. Will you tell us a little bit about your story and the challenges you faced? Yeah. So I'm the survivor of an incurable genetic disorder. And, um, we, you know, I lived most of my life, not realizing that I had it, it's genetics. I was born with it, um, and lived, you know, relatively, you know, healthy life. I bruised easily when I was young. Um, and you know, my, uh, my mom passed away at the age of 37, I was 11 and this was in 1988. And, uh, you know, we had, it was no, no one's radar. It was just called like this rare, freak medical thing. Um, and she had just a lot of, um, you know, she had a splenic artery or aneurysm, just a lot of like internal ruptures of her organs and, um, and visceral tissues, which was just really bizarre. And so fast forward to, you know, several years down the road and I'm, you know, 38 and, uh, it was the fall of 2015. And I just had this slew of major medical events and there was back to back to back to back. And so it started with a miscarriage, um, of our second child and it. Then I had like a, a kidney infarction. Um, you should try telling your eight-year-old son that you've had a kidney infarction. Right. Um, and there's only one syllable that he's going to hear in that word, right. um, the second one, and he's going to laugh for days. Um, and then my, my left carotid artery ruptured. And so the doctors were looking at all, you know, the, my medical history of everything that happened in that fall. And then they were started putting the pieces together and they were like, okay, well, she's had these experiences. And oh, by the way, when, you know, in 2010, uh, my colon ruptured, which they just thought was this really foul ball. And in 2006, my son was born early because, um, he was born six weeks early because my, uh, membranes ruptured. And so they were like, we're having a lot of these rupturing things happening. And so they're putting the pieces together, my medical history, and then my mom's. And, Mm. um, when I showed up at the, at the hospital, um, for my carotid artery and I was, it was three 30 in the morning and I showed up there and the doctor looked at me and she said, I know exactly what you have. She said, I'm going to fix you. And she did. Um, and she said, I'm going to recommend that you go to uh, genetic testing for this uh, genetic connective tissue disorder called vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I have to insert here this Christina, because it's, I, I love this part of, of my story mm-hmm. in that uh, ultimately, yes, I was, I went in for testing and yes, it was positive that I have vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, it is a connective tissue disorder that um, makes my blood vessels, arteries, and organs prone to spontaneous rupture. So all of my visceral tissue um, is just really fragile. Mm-hmm. And um, but I always insert this part of the story because vascular EDS, which is what, you know, we mostly refer to it as a shortened um, word for it, um, is not very common in the U.S., or at least it's not very well known. Um, most people are not diagnosed until after they die because doctors just miss it. It's so rare. But the doctor that was at the emergency room at 3.30 in the morning was not from the U.S. She was from Europe. In okay. particular, she was from France, where the advocate Efficacy for vascular EDS is years, years beyond America. And so, you know, I mean, that's just God working in your details, you know, mm-hmm. of, uh, at, you know, at three 30 in the morning, here is this doctor that recognizes this. And so, you know, God was, uh, look, he takes my smell away and he's going to make sure I have the right doctor. Yeah. Um, but so, so yeah, so we get this diagnosis and, you know, we were like, great, what do we do? How do we fix it? And, um, 
you know, my geneticist looked at me with really kind and compassionate eyes. And, you know, he said, there's, there's no cure treatment. Um, it's genetic. So there's nothing I can give you. He said, what I can tell you is to prepare your bucket list and live your life well, because your average life expectancy is 48. So, um, I just turned 45 last week and, um, you know, I, I was never that person to really super celebrate birthdays, but every single year feels like a milestone of celebrating God's glory. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a part of my story and, you know, I don't, I don't like it, but so many women carry whether, you know, you may not be carrying a terminal incurable, uh, genetic disorder, but we all know what it's like to face something that feels impossible because we live in a broken world. And so, um, you know, my hope is that as I, you know, share how God has worked in my story and the things he teaches me in his word to keep me steady, um, that someone else might find hope from that too, because, uh, it can, if he can change my life and bring me hope, he can do that to you too, sister. So that's a little bit about my story that part of my story that I'm not crazy about, but God works through anyway. Yeah. And I love how, you know, you're not crazy about it. I'm not crazy about it either. You know, um, <laughs> Thanks, friend. because you're my friend, you know, yeah. but how you were still able to see God moving in that, you know, how you can look back and be like, hmm, that doctor was there at three in the morning that just happened to, you know, mm-hmm. be in a position to see what was really going on. Um, did it take you a while to get to that point where you could still see God in the dark? Oh, a hundred percent. And like, what was that like? What to, to get to that point? And, and how could, if there's a woman listening now and she's caught in the dark and she's like, I don't see God in this, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. how can she potentially begin to shift to see some light in the dark? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. And that's one of the reasons why I love looking at Naomi's story, because I think that uh, her story in the book of Ruth is, is the story of someone who is walking that journey. Mm -hmm. I I am Naomi. I mean, I've, I've, Mm -hmm. I've called out to God and said, you have made my life bitter. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you that the first three months after that diagnosis were very dark. Mm -hmm. Um, I dealt with so much anxiety about being in my own body. I mean, I had just been told your body is prone to spontaneous rupture. And so Christina, Mm -hmm. I was afraid to move. Um, you know, I, I remember sitting in our recliner in our bedroom downstairs and just like afraid to get up because I was so scared that I was going to rupture something or something was going to, you know, burst or another organ or another vessel. Um, you know, anytime I heard my pulse or felt my pulse, I just felt like, gosh, my body's not going to be strong enough to with, with, withhold that pressure. And so, you know, those, those were, that was, it was three months where I just really did not do much of anything. And some of that, I mean, was just surgery recovery I mean, recovery after the type of surgery I had just took time. Um, but I can remember specifically setting my alarm, um, every hour because that was as long as I would last before I would felt another wave of a panic attack coming on in that season. Mm-hmm. And so I would just set my alarm every hour, just stop and pray. And that is how I got through that season. Literally. I I just took it one hour at a time. Um, And so, you know, number one, I mean, I I think we have to remember that it's okay to grieve our stories. Yeah. 
Naomi reminds us of this, you know, I mean, I think uh, if you're familiar with Naomi's story, you, you may know what I'm referencing here. If you're not, you know, she's a story, she's, her story is, you know, she loses her husband and her two sons and uh, she and one of her daughter-in-laws go back home. They had moved away and then they go back home and, you know, she wasn't, uh, she was too old to marry again and have children. And in that time and, you know, those biblical times, that was, you know, almost a death sentence for women mm-hmm. um, because they relied so much on, uh, on men for provision and for care um, and, you know, for, for everything. And, you know, so Naomi's story really for her, it really felt like it was over and she cries out to God. And she says, you know, this is uh, you have made my life bitter so much. She changes her name. Like where she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Cause Naomi meant pleasant. She said, you're going to call me Mara now. Cause that means because Mara meant bitter. And so, you know, I think that uh, so many have looked at her story to say, um, you know, well, she shouldn't have blamed God. She shouldn't have, you know, said my life is better, but you know what? you know what I, I realized as I was walking through that story and studying it, we humans can look at Naomi and judge her in that way, but you know, who doesn't God doesn't mm-hmm. not once does he turn to her and say, you shouldn't have done this. Not once does he send any type of you know message or messenger or uh, circumstances, even that could be interpreted in a way that, uh, that she should not have responded in that way. He works in her details. He starts moving in her life when she can't even see it, but he works in her details to bring her to a place of renewed joy. And so for those of us who are, you know, walking through seasons like that, if you were listening today and you're in that season of darkness and you just Mm -hmm. feel like I can't see God, I don't like what's happening. I don't know how to get out of it. Number one, be gentle with yourself, be tender with yourself and give yourself space to grieve. One of the things uh, at one of my previous surgeries, when my colon had ruptured, I remember waking up and I had, you know, a row of staples down my abdomen, a temporary ileostomy bag. And, um, and she looked at me, I, I had come out of my coma and she was the first face that I remember seeing. And she looked at me and she said, her first words were, were uh, you have permission to grieve. Mm. And so often we, you know, as, uh, as believers, we, mm-hmm. as a society that does not understand grief, mm-hmm. um, a society that is uncomfortable with lament. Um, mm-hmm. so often we want to skip that process and say, you're going to be fine. Or God's, you know, always going to find a way God's working for your good. And listen, those are all true. Yeah. But we want to like hopscotch over, you know, (laughs) over the the ugly part. We want to find a way around it. And I think sometimes God says, listen, daughter, let me walk you through it and come out stronger on the other end. Um, And so I think we just have to give ourselves permission to say to God, this is not, this is not what I want. But remember too, that even Jesus wept, like we look to the, the new Testament and we see Jesus weeping over Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We see him weeping over Jerusalem. You know, I think that uh, an honest expression of our grief Mm -hmm. is an acknowledgement that we need Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I would tell my friend, if you're sitting through this type of season is just give yourself space to grieve, find a counselor, call out to a friend, talk to a pastor, uh, you know, be open and honest and listen, tell God every word of how you feel. He's a big boy and he can handle it, (laughs) you know, um, and, and then start looking for God working in your deep, look in the small things, look for him working in your details and those small little things. We could spend an entire hour <laughs> of me talking to you about the details that God moved and worked in, in just those three months. Wow. Um, and I'll just tell you that that happened. Um, yeah. So, you know, and some of it I saw when it happened and some of it I saw in hindsight. Yeah. So remember that he's working even when we cannot see it. Um, you know, Waymaker, one of my favorite songs, um, mm-hmm. you know, e- even, uh, even when he's, you know, even when you can't see it, he is working. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to start to, you know, just to, to work on our emotions as we process that, but also remember that truth and start looking for him to show up because he's there. He's always there. Always. I love how you give women the permission to process their emotions and not just like you said, hopscotch over them, especially emotions that we're not always like proud of, like grief. You know, Uh, I want I'm curious to know if it's okay for me to ask if you ever experienced anger because your story was hard and how has God um, shown light even in that emotion? Yeah. Um, yes. And yes. And yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I'm going to take you to a part of my story before my medical um, events and my medical diagnosis, mm-hmm. because where I really experienced the most anger was after my dad died. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom died when I was young and right. my dad died suddenly from a car accident when I was 30, 31. Um, and to say that I did not handle it well is an understatement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember thinking, you know, God, I've given you my life. I mean, I, I accepted Jesus as my personal savior when I was 12 and, you know, I was doing all the right things. I was in youth group and I led ministry in college and I taught a uh, Bible study, you know, with my husband when we were married. I mean, I was just like, okay, everything check, check, check. I'm doing it all. I'm serving God. I love Jesus. And then my dad died. And I was like, what? Uh, uh, that, what did I do to deserve this? You know, I am your servant, God, you know, I'm, I'm, I happily serve you. And this is not the picket fence that I thought I was going to have. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I can remember just being so defeated by that, um, and allowing the enemy to enter my mind with lies. And I remember standing in my living room downstairs, I was here by myself crying out to God. And I said, I hate you. Mm. I mean, I'm just being completely candid with you and just saying, God, I hate you. You have ruined my life. Mm. Um, and what I will, I, I, I left the church. I closed my Bible. I didn't read my Bible for about four years. Um, I was so angry and bitter. Um, and I lashed out in every way possible. And what I will tell you is that those four years where I was not in God's word and where I was rebelling against God were the darkest years of my life. Mm. And even, even more dark than when I received a diagnosis. 
um, but in a way that only Jesus could orchestrate. Mm-hmm. He started pursuing me, lovingly pursuing me again with the details uh, mm-hmm. that you think that's not a coincidence that that's happening here. You know, God is working on something. And very timidly, when I thought maybe, 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 maybe he is good. I asked God, I said, Lord, can you, can you make, make a way? Uh, it was like a whisper of a prayer. And that's all it was. I had nothing to give him. And I said, Lord, make a way. And he moved things in my schedule. I ended up at a Beth Moore conference with my sister-in-law with a sold out ticket for for a sold out event. Um, And I kid you not, it was the event they, uh, it was their 15 year celebration and they threw balloons from the ceiling. I mean, it was, that was my party. I mean, they were sure Beth, great 15 years in ministry. Good job. But that was my party. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Because I I was coming home. I mean, I am the prodigal daughter. Yeah. I'm Luke 15. I'm the prodigal daughter. I came home. And, um, and so, you know, God, number one, allowed me to experience my anger because that was my choice. He'll do that. It was my choice to step away. Um, But he wasn't just going to leave me there. Yeah. And so, you know, and he, I mean, when I say he moved heaven and earth to rescue me, he moved heaven and earth to rescue me. And he just started breaking down walls after that and uh, put me in God's word every single morning. I'd wake up before sunrise and uh, would just, I was so hungry for God's word. And so I'd dive into it in the mornings and I, my husband would come out and be like, Heather, what are you doing out here? I was on the, (laughs) the back porch. I don't know. I just need, I don't know what I'm doing. I just think I need to be in the word. And you know what God was prepping me for was the season now of teaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had no idea, no idea. Uh, But to, you know, to your question, yes, absolutely. Anger, a hundred percent. And I threw it all, all at God. Um, But, you know, because he is faithful and he chases out, he leaves the 99 and chases the one. Mm -hmm. And I was the one. And You know, I mean, you, you, when, when you see, you know, I tell you both of those stories, both of those parts of my stories, because what that season did for me after my dad died was really prepared me for what was coming when my uh, diagnosis came, because I knew the consequences of rebelling against God. Right. And I didn't, I didn't, I don't ever want to go back there. Right. And so it allowed me to process my grief in a different way. So, um, you know, Sure, there are pieces of anger at it, pieces of heart mm-hmm. heartbreak, but mostly it was it was lament um, because I knew that God still would work, um, and you know I think that God really allowed me to experience everything with my dad so that I would not lose it <laughs> completely. Yeah. You know when my diagnosis mm-hmm. came, so uh, prepping you as you were spending those mornings with him and his word, so it could. Yeah come back up as you would need it after your diagnosis. And yes, now there's just fruit all over the place and all Bible <laughs> studies and books and speaking engagements from, you know, it's, it, you, you just think about those seeds of truth that are planted in the dark that, um, that take root and, and then years later grow into something absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of like your ministry and probably the impact that you've had on your family and things like that. I, okay. So I got this question that, I was yeah. just about, um, that just kind of popped into my spirit. It's more of a personal question between me. Mm-hmm. And you. We got other people listening. So it's okay. yeah, go, go, babe. Um, 
like I was sharing with you before we started the podcast last year, I had some pretty serious health Mm -hmm. issues uh, with my neck and had to go through months of physical therapy, Mm -hmm. months of pain, months of pain management. Um, And, you know, one of the hardest things for me as a mom facing health challenges was watching my kids watch me in Mm -hmm. pain and uh, trying to really use it as an example to them. Like, but I'm still going to trust God. I don't know why he has mommy going through through all this, but it must be for a really good reason. Mm -hmm. You know, I would be interested to know if you're okay with sharing uh, just how your story has affected your relationship with your son and raising him. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And I think that, you know, it has evolved over Mm -hmm. the years, obviously, as he's matured and gotten older um, and have, you know, as he's been able to process the information in the beginning, we didn't share with him the details of the diagnosis um, because, I mean, he was eight. So, you know, at eight, I'm not going to tell my son, you know, um, I have a shortened life expectancy. Um, as he, I think when he was 12, we started, you know, sharing details with him. And when he was 12, we had him tested because he, yeah. you know, there was a 50, 50% chance that he could have inherited it from me. He, he does not have it. Uh, and we are, you know, rejoice in that news because that means it ends with me. Uh, yeah. he can't, he can't pass it to, to his kids. It doesn't skip a generation. So, you know, that's wonderful, wonderful news. But I think, um, you know, when I think about my relationship with him and how, you know, how I've parented that, how my husband and I both parented him through that. Um, and the things, the fruit from it, the challenging things from it, the challenging things are, you know, being honest and, you know, with him and realizing that, um, you know, I, number one, he's not mine. Mm. And, um, that was, you know, one of the very first things that God taught me because it was the hardest thing for me to release to God is, you know, my son, uh, my yeah. husband. And I was like, look, my, my husband is the most extroverted man on the planet. He he's got to have me when he comes home to talk to So, uh, like I, I gotta be here, God, like forever. Um, right. and same thing, you know, with son, I was like, I want to see him graduate high school. I want to I got old as my grandkids, you know, I need a, you know, a marriage, you know, all these things that you feel like you're entitled to. Mm. Um, and, you know, God reminded me, um, you know, that, that, hi, he's not yours. You are a vessel of his growth and his, uh, you know, his, his, his physical development, his spiritual maturity, his mental development, but he is not yours. He is yeah. mine. Um, and so, you know, as hard as that was for me to let go, I, it, you know, it, and, it, and that one is a daily laying down at God's yeah. feet, like daily, you like that's my baby now. That's, that's my baby. Yeah. I mean that I like, I, I will, I will cut people for him. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that, that is one that, I mean, it's really, really hard to lay that down, but it's a daily, like laying him at Jesus's feet and saying, you know, uh, God, I trust you. Even, even today he got braces and he has some like weird, like appliance and uh, it's a lot of metal in his mouth and it's hurting. And I just, oh, you know, you just want to put him back in your belly and he's 15. Yeah. I'm just like, can you please go back and be small? And I had to send him off to school. And I was like, baby, look, look for how God is going to uh, love you and take care of you throughout the day. Uh, Cause he will. And I mean, any mother experiences that whether you have a medical condition or not, that's just motherhood. Um, But I think that, you know, number one, what this has allowed us to do is he's gotten older is, um, 
it has been a really, uh, it's allowed an easy gospel conversation with him. Mm. Um, and because, you know, what, what God, you know, continually reminds me is that my story and anyone's story who deals with incurable anything, mm-hmm. um, is the gospel made manifest, you know, that there's mm. no cure for us without Jesus. Mm. Uh, you know, Jesus is the only way to salvation. It's the only way to eternal life. It's the only way to peace. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that there's no cure or treatment for me, but, but God can. And so, you know, it's made a really, um, really easy path for gospel conversations with him to talk about, you know, what is impossible with man is possible with God because he has, mm-hmm. you know, conquered death and he is, you know, risen from the grave and he reigns at the right hand of the father right now. And, um, you know, just, just separating, you know, humanity and flesh from divinity and heaven. Mm. Um, and being able to say like, this is, this is impossible, but with God, you know, all things are possible for you. So it's, it's made an easy path for gospel conversations, but what, yeah, but what it's also done is I think it is training Thomas to look out for, uh, the people who are hurting. Um, and what I saw in him, even when he was still in elementary school, he's always been a little defender. He's always Mm -hmm. looked out for the little guy. And some of that is his personality, but I think some of it is, you know, just by, you know, nature, just reality, having to sometimes take care of his mom. Um, like, you know, bring me an eye pillow. My, you know, I've got metal, um, when they fixed my carotid artery, I had metal, uh, from here all the way down to here on my left side of my, uh, head and neck. And so that means I get a lot of headaches. And yeah. so, you know, I'm like, uh, buddy, can you bring me an eye pillow or, you know, mom's not feeling very well. I'm going to lay down for a little bit. And when I wake up, we'll look at your homework, things yeah. like that. But that's just a reality in our household now. And like you, I hate to be weak in front of him. Like I still want to be the mom that can fix anything, but Mm -hmm. as he has matured, um, I think it has developed in him, um, uh, just a keener perception for people who are hurting. I think it's developed, um, a level of empathy and compassion that he might not already have. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, particularly for people who are, uh, who are in physical pain, emotional pain. And I see that as he recognizes, as he's, you know, with his friends and at school and at church and he just, he notices people, he sees people in a different way. And I, you know, may have nothing to do with me, but I do feel like that some of that has been born out of, you know, the reality that he lives with a mom that has physical limitations. Um, so those are, those are some of, some of the ways, um, you know, that I've, I've seen my story kind of impact his, his, yeah. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. love just the idea of, our kids are not ours, you know, God has entrusted them to us, you know, and uh, we have to trust him with them. So I love that idea is approach to, but the truth as an approach to motherhood. And as we raise our kids, um, going back to hard stories, Mm -hmm. I know that you shared about the anxiety that you, struggle with, especially the first three months after your diagnosis. And I know you actually spoke on anxiety at the 2019 Beloved Women's Conference. I did. Can you share with us what God has taught you about anxiety and fear? Hmm. Um, Especially when you're facing a situation that's, that's actually real, that's actually concerning, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. These, these are real things. I was, (laughs) I, I, 
I heard, uh, oh, yeah, I was on TikTok. <laughs> and I, I like, I have a love hate relationship with it, but you know, I was, I, I, well, okay, let me, let me back up and I, and then I'll get to anxiety and fear. Okay. I promise. I'm not, I'm not going to leave that, that big thing hanging. <laughs> um, but no, I got on TikTok because I wanted to check it out for Thomas and see if, you know, as a parent to see like, okay, is this like an appropriate social media thing that, uh, you know, that he needs right now or not. And then of course I got addicted after oh, I got wow. through the out. I mean, I mean, in a good way, got through the algorithm of figuring out, okay, these are like my, my TikTok thing is all like, uh, motivation and docs. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's like puppies and pep talks. And so, but there was one of these, these pep talks where this guy telling a story about this woman who like approached her fear in this way. She had a tattoo and it was in a different language, but the tattoo basically said there are no tigers. And the, the point was, is that, you know, um, you know, a, a long time ago we had, like, we, you know, had all these much larger things in our path, like these much larger right. issues that we actually had to be afraid of. Um, and, you know, her point today was, listen, there, there aren't no tigers, you know, you're, you're, you know, the things that we um, perceive as fearful are probably not that fearful. They're driven by social anxiety and all the things in our culture and all the things that we're consuming and, you know, just the constant things that are attacking our brain. So um, anyway, so, you know, I think that, um, what God has taught me is a lot of times anxiety is there's a lot of things about anxiety has taught me, but yeah. it's, it's perspective, you know, yeah. and it's remembering, you know, and, and listen, and, and let me, let me be very upfront with you and say that I take an anxiety medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's one of the things I share with your gals and beloved, yeah. you know, is that like, like, let's, let's be real with this. If we're going to take Tylenol for a headache we I can take anxiety for, I mean, medicine for anxiety. Right. Um, the very large toolbox of things that I, you know, put in my anxiety toolbox. Um, and the first of that is God's word. Um, and you know, I mean, going steadily going to God's word to, you know, lift me up and to settle my heart and mind. I mean, it, it is, um, you know, it, it is powerful. It's life-changing. It's why I teach the Bible because it's the only thing that's able to cut through the fear that I have of major medical events of leaving my family. Yeah. I'm always returning to God's word because it gives me perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am reminded number one, I'm, I'm not the only person in this world, in this day, in this, whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I am not, I'm not alone. I may feel like I'm the only one who's experiencing yeah. these feelings, but I'm not. Um, and that God is bigger than anything that we're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I mean, so, so many truths that, um, you know, that, that God's word has, has taught me about dealing with anxiety. Um, and one of them in particular that came to mind as you were asking that question was, um, you know, uh, study the book of Joshua and, you know, mm-hmm. there's a moment in Joshua, you know, then in Joshua chapter two, when, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, Joshua is like Israelites are trying to like overcome. They're trying to cross the Jordan river to get into the promised land that God has promised them. Well, before mm-hmm. they go, they spy the land and they stay at this woman's house. She actually is a yeah. prostitute. Her name is Rahab, right? So <clears throat> they stay there. And here's what she says. Hang on. Let me look it up. Um, and we're, we're given this from the perspective of the enemy, right? Because mm-hmm. Rahab is a Canaanite right. and she ends up you know, like converting and she ends up being a believer and living, you know, with the, with the Israelites, which is fabulous. But um, here's what, what she, an enemy of the Israelites said to the spy. She says, we have heard, this is Joshua two verses 10 mm-hmm. um, and 11. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out mm-hmm. of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you 
completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you for the Lord, your God is God in heaven and on the earth below. And so, um, and, and the verse before that, which I missed, she said, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you mm. has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. And right. so that's the, the, you know, someone who was the enemy talking about God and God's people and talking about, you know, uh, exclaiming that the, you know, they were fearful of God. They were fearful of his people. And it was a reminder, you know, to me that when, when we let go of, of the enemy's arrows, the enemy's always shooting arrows at us, trying mm-hmm. to you know, attack our peace, trying to attack our, you know, our uh, stability, trying to attack our joy, trying to attack our progress in the Lord. And so, you know, when we finally let go of our fear of all of the enemy's arrows, we then become the enemy. I mean, the arrow that the enemy fears. Mm. And so like one of the ways I can often tell if, um, if, if I'm moving forward in God's will or not, like if I'm hesitant, I'm moving forward because I'm afraid. I'm like, you know what? That's not of God. Cause it's not God's will for me to be afraid. You know, do not fear. Do not be afraid. How many times is that in the Bible? Like over and over over and over and over again. Um, and so like it, it has become that emotion mm-hmm. and leveraging that emotion mm-hmm. to discern God's will for my life. Oh, right. Wow. So, you know, I'm looking through and I'm saying, okay, what are the things that I'm afraid of doing? And if there is fear present, then that's when I know all right, I got to take a step forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's, it, I, I use it as, um, you know, I'm, I'm manipulating it because the enemy, right. um, hopefully, you know, because the, the enemy wants me to be afraid, but that's, that's not how God designed it. Right. So um, now that's how good. do we do? Yeah. How turn do we do that, that arrow right around. That's back right. Turn, turn it around. I love turn that. It around. I love yeah. that. But okay. That's great. But how does that work tangibly? Right. Like, I mean, how, how does that work in a, in a tangible situation? Uh, it sounds really beautiful in theory, but like, let's say it's three o'clock and you, you know, you've got to make a phone call um, that you don't want to make and you're afraid to make it. It's conflict. You don't like conflict um, or you're heading into a medical procedure and, you know, you, you know, have no idea what the outcome is going to be, what the yeah. physical pain is going to be. Um, you know, how do you close your eyes and, uh, mm-hmm. and process that? And that's when my anxiety toolbox comes in. Okay. Um, you know, when, when all those tangible things And number one, it's, you know, it's prayer. It's that, you know, every mm-hmm. 60 minutes I'm setting an alarm for prayer. I mean, prayer is a part of it. Um, you know, number two, it is, you know, memor- the memorization of God's word is powerful because when we're in those moments, um, you know, where, you know, our body is in fight or flight and, you know, we're like, I I don't know if I can move forward. We're not going to be able to rely on God's word unless we've already planted it in our hearts. And so, you know, and we have to be intentional about that. You know, you're not just going to start memorizing God's word, just you know, out of the blue. And so like prepping yourself beforehand, like we're, we're with our ministry, we're doing a, uh, you know, memory verse challenge for the rest of the year where all of the women are, we're just reading, uh, we're memorizing one new verse every week. And so by the end of the year, we'll have, you know, 52 verses that, you know, we, we can easily call. 
for, because of that. So when we get in those tangible moments, you know, we, we, we can always rely on prayer. We can rely on God's word. Um, you know, we can rely on like the, the, our anxiety meds. I mean, and that, like, this is something I'm really honest about because I yes. think like we, as women need to hear this, it is not a lack of faith to call on something that, that is available with humanity. Um, right. you know, I mean, that is, uh, it's not a sin to say, God, you know, God can, and still completely take away my anxiety. It's not a lack of faith for me to say, but I'm also going to take this anxiety med. Um, It's an acknowledgement to say, listen, I need to move forward. And there's something going on with my brain chemistry, but my major goal was moving forward in your will. So I'm going to take this today so I can take that step forward and get over this. Cause I know this is where you need me to be. Um, I mean, it's just a part of my, my, my battle weapon box, I guess, you know, And I think it's important that we all, you know, that we hear that. I, you know, I say that, you know, when I'm speaking at events and I always have some one woman come up and say, I've never heard someone say that Mm -hmm. in the church. Yeah. And so I'm saying it. Yeah. go. It's not like God gives us just one weapon. You know, Mm -hmm. I love, I love your toolbox. Like toolbox doesn't just have one tool in it. It has multiple tools for multiple uses. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, Friends, people, you know, I mean, spend time for me, you know, I mean, I know like, like organizing my day, I have to spend time in nature or outside just because that is very calming for me. Um, You know, I mean, I have to make sure I I don't say uh, yes to too many things. Um, You know, I have to make sure I'm, you know, spending time with my family, (laughs) all of us, listen, but also before that, I think I, you asked me how I was doing before we hit record. And I told yeah. you that I had like so many things going on right now. So I'm convicting myself. I'm stepping on my own toes here, friend. Oh man. Yeah. That's good. Um, I needed to hear that though. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the moments, the anxiety is, is here. So many women deal with it, but mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, one, one of the things that, that God has taught me, you know, through his word and uh, just through dealing with it is just building your toolbox um, with a things that make your soul sing, you know, the things that, you know, that, that work, that his word says prayer and, um, you know, God's word and time and worship, you know, spend, give yourself five minutes to listen to your favorite worship, worship song. And I guarantee you, your attitude will change about whatever situation is bringing you anxiety, um, and baby steps like baby steps is what I told your gals. Like we, I think often we feel like we have to get to the entire other side of whatever it is. that's bringing me anxiety. No, we don't. We have to get to the next minute, the next hour, the next, you know, whatever, and trusting God to equip you at every single milestone along that way. However small your baby steps are, God's going to be with you. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that practical real life encouragement to overcome true real anxiety that we face every day baby steps mm-hmm. one minute at a time one hour at a time one day at a time that that's good that's worth repeating okay so before we close do you have any final words of encouragement for our beloved sisters oh my friends uh number one thank you for spending your time with us we know time is precious um and it's such a privilege to encourage you and to just to spend uh this time with you as well so um i would i would want you to know that you are not alone um that god is for you that he sees you no matter what you're doing right now so often we listen to podcasts and we're doing things that we think no one else sees um and god god sees you in wherever your story whatever your struggles are today you're seen and known and loved and 
we are rooting for you, my friends. I know that's right. Mm -hmm. And would you tell us, well, first I want to encourage our audience to get Heather's latest Bible study called Renewed. It's a Bible study. Um, I love that it's uh, lessons from the life of Naomi in the book of Ruth. A lot of Bible studies are on Ruth because, you know, it's her, the name, the book is named after her, but Mm -hmm. Naomi has so much to teach us about trusting God when we don't like our story. And so do you, Heather. Mm -hmm. And I think you so much for sharing your story with us. How can our listeners connect with you outside of this podcast? Yep. So you can find me on my website. I'm at the rescued letters.com. The, the article, the rescued as in I have been rescued by Jesus and letters as in I write a bunch of letters about it to people. So the rescued letters.com I'm on social media at rescued letters and all the crazy places, but don't expect me very much on TikTok Cause I still have no idea how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, is it, it rescued letters on TikTok too? It is. I have a few up there, but I'm just playing right now. So don't, don't, don't have a lot What's of expectations. So it's, so is Instagram your favorite social media it or is. Facebook? Instagram. Instagram. Oh. It's happy. I do. I usually share a lot in Instagram stories. Um, but, oh. uh, but yeah, I'm, um, yeah. Instagram is, is everybody's happy. I like We're that. <laughs> So please connect with Heather. Beloved, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the All Things Beloved podcast. And until next time, be beautiful, be blessed, and be loved. Yay!